Welcome to Torah to Imecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Orly Kanner, and it is my privilege to be learning Sefer Shemot with you. Our Parsha this week is Parsha Kitisa, and I will begin with a quick overview of the Parsha. B'nai Yisrael are told to each contribute exactly half a shekel, a machatzit ha-shekel of silver to the Mishkan. Instructions are given regarding the fashioning of the kior, the water basin, the shemen ha-mishcha, the anointing oil, and the ketoret, the incense. Wise-hearted artisans, B'tzal and Aliyav, are placed in charge of the sanctuary's construction, and the people are once again commanded to keep the Shabbos. When Moshe does not return when expected from Harsinai, the people make a golden calf in Egel HaZahav and worship it. Hashem proposes to destroy the errant nation of Israel, but Moshe intercedes on their behalf. Moshe descends from the mountain carrying the Luchot the tablets of the testimony engraved with the Ten Commandments. Seeing the people dancing around the calf, he breaks the tablets, destroys the golden calf, and has the primary culprits put to death. He then returns to Hashem to say, if you do not forgive them, then erase me from the book that you have written. Hashem agrees to forgive the Jewish people, but says that the effect of their sin will be felt for many generations. At first, Hashem proposes to send his angel along with them, but Moshe insists that Hashem himself accompany his people to the land of Israel. Moshe prepares a new set of tablets and once more ascends the mountain where Hashem re-inscribes the covenant on these Luchot Hashniot, the second tablets. On the mountain, Moshe is also granted a vision of the divine and he is given the Yud Gimel Midot of Rachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy. Moshe's face is so radiant upon his return that he must cover it with a veil which he removes only when he is speaking with God and teaching the Torah to the Jewish people. Parsha Kitisa, situated in the midst of the building of the Mishkan, is an extraordinary parsha in that it contains two watershed events in Jewish history. One is mentioned was the sinful creation and worship of the golden calf by the Jewish people, the sin of the Egel Hazahav. And the second, equally as disturbing, was the smashing of the Luchot by Moshe. It is this latter event that I would like to dissect in this Tvar Torah. What gave Moshe the right to break the Luchot? What in fact led Moshe to shatter the holiest of stones hewn by God himself upon which was etched the Ten Commandments? This conundrum becomes even more exacerbating when we learn that Moshe was informed of the Egel Hazav, of what the people had done while still on Har Sinai. After giving Moshe the Luchar, Hashem tells Moshe, Lech reid ki shichet amcha asher ha'elita me'eretz Mitzrayim, saru maher min haderach asher tzibitim, asu lahem egel masecha vayishtachavu lo, vayizbechu lo, vayomru ela elohecha Yisrael asher ha'elucha me'eretz Mitzrayim. Hurry down, said Hashem to Moshe, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have sinned. They have quickly transgressed what I have commanded them. They have made themselves a molten calf, bowed to it and sacrificed to it, saying, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. On the summit of Harsinai, after hearing Hashem's wrathful denunciation of the Jewish people, Moshe defends B'nai Yisrael arguing with God to spare his people, to remember the Brit Avot, the covenant that Hashem established with our forefathers, refusing to join with God in his threat of the destruction of all of Israel and the formation of a new people with Moshe. Moshe seemed completely unruffled by the news of the terrible atrocity, responding calmly and rationally while atop the mountain. And yet, 
when Moshe descends from the mountain, the Torah tells us, that as soon as Moshe came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, he became enraged and he hurled the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. What? suddenly changed? What caused Moshe to lose his prior coherent, level-headed, balanced state of mind and suddenly, almost recklessly, lose control and break the luchot? The Medrash and Devarim Rabbah asks this exact question, phrasing the question as if it were the words of God. Moshe, says the Medrash, did you not believe me when I told you that the Jewish people had made an Egel Hazav? Did you really have to see it for yourself to believe it? Yes, answers Rav Yitzchak Arama in his famous commentary, the Akedat Yitzchak. And he goes on to explain that seeing is a much more vivid and impactful experience than hearing. Because even when we have no doubt that what we have heard is truthful, ain hearing does not provoke the same reaction as does seeing. It is only after Moshe actually sees the Egel HaZahab that his anger is roused, causing him to break the Luchot. The Ramban Nachmanides agreeing with the effect that seeing the golden calf had on Moshe further explains that it kindled in Moshe a rage that he simply could not control and subsequently smashed the tablets. This is the same uncontrolled rage that the Ramban had identified earlier in the life of Moshe as the cause of his killing the Egyptian taskmaster who at that time was smiting the Jewish slave. The Al-Sheikh, however, takes the same train of thought, but to an even more profound level. He sheds light on a critical additional element that Moshe saw when he descended the mountain that was not told to him by God on the mountaintop. For the Torah tells us that when Moshe descends the mountain, Vayar eta egel umicholot, that Moshe saw the dancing, the simcha, the ecstatic rapture, the reckless abandon, the joy, and that is what shocked Moshe's system. As in the words of the Alshech, Hachoteh, Umichatsev, Yeshlo Tikvala Shuvulitaken, Achasameh Pa'avano, Avda Tikvato. Hope asserts the Alshech remains for those who transgress and grieve over it. They can repent and make amends, but those who revel in their iniquities are hopeless. The Alshech is telling us that it wasn't just seeing the golden calf rather than hearing it, but it was the depth of their delirium, their simcha and dancing that incited Moshe's anger and caused him to break the luchot. The mechila that Moshe had beseeched of God had been transplanted by machol, by song and dance. The circle of reuniting with God, closing that circle with Hashem, implicit in mechila, had been supplanted by a circle of idolatrous dance and iniquity. Ruff Hirsch goes even a step further in illuminating the despair, the rage, and the desperation that Moshe felt upon seeing the people dancing around the Egel Hazahab. In his words, he explains, as easy as it is to enlighten the intellectually misled, so it is difficult to recall to repentance the unruly mob demoralized by corrupt and immoral behavior. As soon as Moshe saw the calf in the dancing, he realized that the idolatrous poison had already wrought its havoc and given free reign to their evil passions, breaking all the bounds of moral conduct. 
Rav Hirsch has explained, that as long as an idolatrous transgression is a sin of thought, of belief, there is room for re-education, redirecting one's thinking, and reformation. But once the iniquity seeps into and becomes part of the accepted cultural norm, once it manifests itself in depraved behavior and immorality, it is so difficult, if not impossible, to expurgate. It is for this reason that Moshe was so incensed and so exasperated. One would have expected Hashem to respond to Moshe's violent smashing of his luchot with anger and even repudiation. Instead, our rabbis in Gemara Shabbos 87a tell us, Tanya, Shlosha Dvarim Asa Moshe Midato Vihiskim HaKadosh Baruch Hu Imo, Hosif Yom Achad Midato, Uperash Min HaIsha, Vishiber Taluchot. It was taught in the Brisa that Moshe did three things on his own volition, and Hashem agreed with him. He added one day to the days of separation before Matan Torah. He totally separated from his wife after the revelation at Sinai, and he broke the tablets following the sin of the golden calf. But not only did God, as we have just seen, agree to his breaking the luchot, but in the words of Reish Lakish, expounding upon the words of the Torah, Asher Shibarta, God actually said, Yasher Kochachasha Shibarta, good job, Moshe. How do we reconcile such a congratulatory sentiment from God for breaking the luchot? How do we understand God's sanctioning in this unwarranted aggression, this seeming act of vigilantism and sabotage? For even though Moshe's smashing of the Luchot is understandable in the eyes of all the previously cited commentaries, we still cannot justify his breaking of the handmade tablets that were gifted by Hashem for the Jewish people. The justification, according to many of our commentaries, is founded upon their assertion that Moshe did not smash the Luchot out of an uncontrolled rage. Rather, his was a calculated, measured, cognitive decision meant to achieve a particular goal. One Midrash suggests that Moshe knowingly committed an inexcusable act by intentionally breaking the Luchot, challenging God with the moral dilemma of if you forgive me for breaking the Luchot, for doing the inexcusable, then you must forgive the people. And if you can't forgive the people for their actions were inexcusable, then certainly you can't and shouldn't forgive me either. In yet another series of Midrashim, including the Avad Rabbi Natan, Moshe's breaking of the Luchot is equated with tearing up the Kitubah, the Kesuba, the marriage contract between a husband and wife after the wife had been accused of adultery. For if the woman is guilty of adultery, but there was no marriage contract, the woman is spared the death penalty. So too, having broken the Luchot, the marriage contract between the Jewish people and God has been destroyed. Hence, B'nai Yisrael are no longer subject to the pending harsh punishment. These Midrashim see in Moshe's act an attempt to mitigate the punishment due the Jewish people. By Moshe linking his own fate with theirs or by his minimizing the legal severity of their sin, of their iniquity. But there is yet another more profound and fascinating dimension to understanding and justifying God's support of Moshe breaking the Luchot. And that dimension is expressed by commentaries that see in Moshe's act a means to induce the Jewish people to repentance, to teshuva.
explains the Abarbanel, and similarly the Nitziv. Moshe specifically waited until he reached the bottom of the mountain to break the Luchot, as he wanted all the people to see the magnificence, the exquisite beauty, and the godliness that emanated from the sacred Luchot. And only after seeing the treasure shattered before their eyes would they be shocked into the realization of what they could have had, of what they would have had, were it not for their foolish and sinful behavior. As such, Moshe would be evoking within them contrition, remorse, and repentance. However, it is the explanation of the Mesha Chochma that I find most penetrating and compelling. Says the Moshe Chochma, Im hevi haluchot, hayu kimchalfim egel beluach velosaru mitautan, ulam kaasher shiber haluchot, ra'u ech hema lo higiu el matarata emunah bahashem, uvitorato hatahora. Had Moshe said the Meshe Chochma brought them the tablets intact, they would have merely substituted the tablets for the calf and not reformed their ways. But now that he had broken the luchot, they realized how far they had fallen short of true faith. Continues the Meshachachma, do not imagine that the temple and the tabernacle are intrinsically holy. Far be it. The Almighty dwells amidst, amidst his children, and if they transgress his covenant, these structures become divested of all their holiness. Even the tablets, the writing of God, are not intrinsically holy, but only so on account of the Jewish people. The moment Israel sinned and transgressed what was written upon them, they became mere bric-a-brac, devoid of sanctity. Yes, the Meshechachma is perhaps implying that the Luchot were broken because B'nai Yisrael's faith was broken, incomplete, unwhole, as the children of Israel were still holding on to their infantile, idolatrous practices, their need for a material, physical, or even human object to worship. We can now understand where our rabbis tell us that upon seeing the Egel, the letters, the words of God flew out of the tablets, rendering the stones suddenly too heavy for Moshe to carry. The people's violation of the words of Hashem vaporized those holy words. Without the letters, the Dvar Hashem, what remains, as the Meshechachma has asserted, is unhallowed, unbearably heavy, inert stone. The broken luchot serves as a potent reminder and admonition that even the house of God, the holiest space on this earth, only retains its holiness when the Jewish people are observing the laws of the Torah. Devoid of God and his Torah, it is nothing but unhallowed material. Thank you for learning with me in the OU Parsha Initiative. I look forward to learning with you again next week.